Hallelujah. Please help me appreciate the praise team. Hallelujah. That was, that was just, just what the doctor ordered. Hallelujah. The Lord is growing our Wednesday night life group study time. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This evening, I uh, just want to continue on what Pastor Bank began to share with us uh, the last couple of weeks. And that is praying uh, with the revelation of our identity in Jesus Christ. You see, based on our teachings, we talked about the old covenant method of praying, whereby in that dispensation, we, we focused on praying in anticipation of what God was going to do. Versus our new covenant focus of praying, which focuses on that which God has already done and that we walk into his finished work. Amen? We talked about three different uh, focuses, if you will, on praying. First one, praying based upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. That we must always keep in mind that whatever is, everything that we need, Jesus Christ already paid the price for it over 2,000 years ago at Calvary. Amen? So praying based on the finished work. Secondly, praying based on our new identity in Christ. Amen? Amen? And then on Sunday, he touched about, he touched on praying according to the revelation of God, according to God's revelation. One of the things they touched on was uh, the question that most people always ask. And this happened way back, uh, I, th this question was asked a lot when um, the, the Twin Towers uh, in New York were um, attacked. There were so many questions about, so what did those people do? Or what did they not do to deserve what happened? In other words, why do bad things happen to good people? That question was all over the place. The church needed to speak at that time. And part of what Pastor Bank shared with us on Sunday is the fact that sometimes we'll say, well, it's because of sin. Uh, you know, some, there was another school of thought that would say, well, God allowed it to happen. Um, but we found out that really the heavens belong to God. But he has done what? He has given to us dominion over the earth. And whatever happens here on earth is under 
our authority and our domain. Amen? So, could it possibly be that maybe we're not focused or we're not praying the way we ought to pray? The way we ought to pray? And so, we're going into a time starting uh, next week. Yep. Yeah, next week, Friday, where we're going to be in the mind of God based on our new identity and the revelation of the word of God. We're going to be praying, recognizing that we have been made kings and priests. And so in our kingly authority, we are going to make decrees. We are going to declare certain things. Our priestly role, we're going to come and command that which God has already done to come into being here on earth. Amen? So this evening, I just wanted us to talk just a little bit about one aspect of praying, which is praying based on our identity. Amen? This is something that we have shared a lot about. Uh, I believe several of our leaders, uh, Dr. Anofio, Pastor Bang, uh, Pastor Shino, had taught extensively on this. But I wanted us to share briefly on it tonight as we go into a time of prayer, talking about our identity. What is that word? What is identity? What is it? You know, for a lot of us, if you are into any form of um, research or finding out information, uh, you know, one of the first places you, you turn into is Google and try to find out as much as you can find on there. But for those of us that grew up in the British system, uh, when you find a word and you want to know what the meaning of that word is, you go to Merriam-Webster's the dictionary. Thank you. The dictionary. So identity, this is as defined by the dictionary. It says it is the fact of being whom or what a person or a thing is or having a close similarity or an, or an affinity with a particular thing or person or group of persons. A well-known and a renowned psychologist and author by the name of David Benner defined our identity, the word identity. He defined it as, it is who we experience ourselves to be. In other words, it is the I that each of us carries within us. Each of us carries that I. I am. And he said, often we feel the pressure to define ourselves through different things, different means, either through our jobs, our financial status, our college degrees, uh, name it. And we, we tend to receive an overwhelming amount of messages asking us or informing us to define ourselves by all of these external measures, all of these things. You know, 
uh, some people would say, well, describe themselves by what they do. You know, uh, I am a salesperson. I am a doctor. I am a lawyer. I am X, Y, whatever it is. You see, what we do or our jobs, that's not who we are. Our identity is truly to be found in only one place. And that's in God. Amen? So, Banner also states that an identity that is grounded in God would mean that when we think of who we are, whenever we think of who we are, if you ever had a question in your mind of who you are, the first thing that will come to mind is someone who is deeply, deeply loved by God. You see, first, we must know how God sees us. We have to know how God sees us in order to talk about or, you know, understand our identity. We've got to understand how God sees us. And while we were out on the field in Vietnam, I had an opportunity to share the scripture. Um, Brother Derek, you were there. Sister Lola, you were there. Um, First John. Uh, actually, John chapter 1. We all know this scripture. John chapter 1, uh, verses 12 and 13. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. He says, but as many as received him, to them he, God, gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, those who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of who? Of God. He, God, gave them the right to become children of God. Pastor Bank, Pastor Larry, you know, we've been talking about the, the fact that Jesus Christ is the testator of the will. You all remember this, this part? The will that he has given to us. In that will, he has promised us that you will never lack. Everything concerning you is already done. He has given all the things that we need. He has already made provision for for all of those things. And what he has done is in order for the will to come into effect, he, of course, had to go to the cross. Unless the testator dies, the will is of no effect. When he died, the will becomes of effect. And, of course, he rose again to ensure that that will is enforced. So as children... In, in normal circumstances, as I almost said, typically what would parents leave for children? But, but I realized that that's not always the case. Um, it's amazing. I was reading the story of um, Vanderbilt University, the, the lady uh, who founded 
uh, Vanderbilt University. Um, she is the mother of um, the, the anchor. <laughs> and Anderson Cooper. Anderson Cooper. And in her will, as wealthy as she was, she didn't let the guy jack. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, left him a little something, but not, you know. Um, but it, so what is expected? What do you think? As children of a father, when there's time to read the will, the children are going to be there. Each and every one, you and I, we are not just spectators. We're not just guests. We are children. So we have a right to be there. However, if we're not sure of who we are, when we hear that there's a reading of a will and you're not sure, it's like, uh, am I really this man's son? If you have that in mind, would you boldly go to the place where there's a reading of a will? Amen. So that, in essence, is what happens to us. You see, because through our faith and our belief in God, in Jesus Christ, we are born of God and we've been declared children of Jesus Christ. We're fully adopted, fully adopted with all of the benefits of being children of God. Amen? One of the passages that I found that speaks concerning our identity is found in Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, and I'm going to try not to read all of it, but Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. In the New Living Translation. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. You see, he has already blessed us with every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. You see, and he did this even before he made the world. God loved us and chose us to, chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. He says this is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we, pr we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He says he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and he forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. He has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. He goes on to talk about how we as children of Jesus Christ can, we're given a new identity once we become, once we confess or we identify with Jesus Christ, all we have to do, 
There is no doing here. All we have to do is just believe. Believe in Jesus Christ. And that identity becomes ours. So according to this, this scripture, again, and I'm, for the sake of time, I'm, I'm moving rapidly along. He says we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We've been chosen. We've been adopted. We've been redeemed, forgiven, grace lavished, and unconditionally loved and accepted. We have received the hope of spending eternity with, with God, and when we're in Christ, these aspects of our identity can never be altered by what we do. You see, in essence, what happens is this. When you and I came to Jesus Christ, when he gave his life to us, when we become a Christian, we are heard. We received a completely new identity in Christ. Uh, most of you have watched all these mob movies. If you haven't, you've watched Godfather or something like that, right? Some people, anybody heard of Godfather? Okay. Have you ever heard of a witness protection program? Okay. In other words, here's what happens to us. When we receive the life of Christ, we, our old identity is blotted from the books. If you search the IBK of BC, you all know what I mean by BC? Before Christ. He's non-existent. I have entered into this witness protection program where I now have a new identity. It just so happens that the IBK, this person that is speaking to you now, kind of looks like that person, but they're two different people. Does it make sense? Yes. Two different people. You have taken on a new identity. What happens in the witness protection program, they go, they assume a new name, new ID, new this, and, and they, they that new person in a new town and what have you. But in this case, that old identity is gone. It just so happens this person looks like, oh, he looks like that, but he doesn't talk like that anymore. He's totally different. That is the new identity that we have in Christ. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that if, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. In other words, a profound fundamental change has taken place. But there's one problem. I sometimes, I sometimes, or for some of us, it may be often, forget that new identity that's in Christ. If I forget that new identity, then how do I function? There's a tendency that I still have the mindset of the old identity that I used to have. And, and you know, for some of the people that go into this witness protection programs, it takes them some doing. It takes them some time. If you've been Larry Omonaye for so long, and all of a sudden we put you into this new protection program, 
Now your name is going to be Stefan. <laughs> and when you go into the grocery store and somebody says, Oh, it's Stefan. I'm wondering who to call it. <laughs> but that's, that's kind of what happens to us. If and when we forget our new identity in Christ. Amen? See, God looks at us and sees us beyond how we see ourselves. Good classic example in the book of Judges, Gideon. Everybody knows the story of Gideon. This man was hiding to, uh, you know, <laughs> to, to thresh the wheat because he was afraid of the Midianites. And what did God say? The angel of the Lord came to him and said, mighty man of valor. In that instant, was Gideon being mighty? Was he acting like a mighty man of valor? No. He was being cowardly. He was the Midianites. He was in a hiding place trying to just keep his wheat from being stolen by the Midianites. But God calls those things that be not as though they were. He sees who we're meant to be and speaks it into our destiny, into who we're supposed to be. Not where, you see, sometimes our identity may not match up with our present reality. You see, last, last Sunday when Pastor was talking, he said, you know, I am speaking to a congregation of kings. And the room was somewhat quiet. You know why? Because many of us were thinking, ah, kings? A king will be, have a royal robe. And a king will be able to just say, you know what? Forget IBM, I ain't going tomorrow. <laughs> Does a king have to go clocking somewhere? But our present reality, we have to do those things. But guess what? God sees that each and every one of us, we are kings and we are priests. Same thing. God sometimes will change the identity or, or the name of someone. You, we think about what, what, what happened with uh, Abraham and Sarah. These are two people that were well advanced in age. According to normal human understanding, they could no longer have children. But guess what? God said, you shall be the father and the mother of many nations. He changed their name. And because he changed their name and changed their uh, seeing who they were, they were able to walk into their destiny, into what God prepared them for. So the same way, that's how we've got to look and recognize that in Christ, he has given us a new identity. In that identity, we are new creatures. We are the righteousness of God. We have been healed. We, we are made rich. We are accepted in the beloved. We are free from the power of sin. Amen? Now, oftentimes, like I said, a gap exists between what we intellectually know 
about the truth of who God says we are and actually living them out. So if we're going to pray based on God's revelation, based on our identity, are we going to be praying in a cowardly manner like, Father Lord, please give us our daily bread. We need something to eat. No. God says he has already provided this because he we are children. How many of us, you, I think it was Pastor Tosian, someone that asked the question, you know, does your children wake up in the morning and have to come and ask you, Daddy, can I have something to, can I please eat something this morning? Because you are their dad or their mom. It's automatic. The fridge is there. I mean, if they're old enough, <laughs> you know, go in there, sort yourself out. That is the same way. God has prepared everything for us. So in order for us to live out the full our new identity, we must determine what is hindering us, what's preventing us from doing so. You see, this is a personal search. It varies from person to person. That which is hindering me from leaving out the fullness of my identity in Christ is different from what yours may be. Amen? Many a times, it may be a false belief. Something that has wedged itself between how God defines us and how we see ourselves in the same light. The key is, once we recognize that false belief, to surrender it. Surrender it over to God in repentance. Repentance meaning to change one's mind. We need to surrender it to, to God in repentance. And then replace whatever that lie is, replace it with truth found in the scriptures. Amen? So just real quickly, wow, real quickly, we need to constantly remember who we are in Christ. Amen? First, Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. First thing I want us to know is that I am alive in Christ. We are alive in Christ. Before God saved us, before God saved us, I was an enemy of God. I was at war with my creator. I was hostile to the one who created me. My identity was not in Christ, but was as a diligent follower of Satan himself. But thanks be to God, I am alive in Christ. Amen? Amen. I need to constantly remember that. Secondly, I am adopted, fully adopted as a child of God. After God's breathe spiritual life into my, into my dead heart and forgive my sins in Christ. God adopted me as his son. Ephesians 1.5 that we read earlier. He says he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. He wanted to. He predestined us as sons. And when I say sons, I'm not talking just in the gender sense. Amen? All of us are his children. We are fully adopted with all the rights and benefits therein. Amen? Third, I am accepted by God. Because 
I am a beloved, adopted child of God. I am fully and completely accepted by God. Christ is God's beloved son. And because I am in Christ, because I am in Christ, therefore, I too, I am deeply loved by God and fully accepted by him. No longer can the enemy sell me any lies. Because you know, sometimes we do certain things and the enemy comes to beat you up and say, well, guess what? But we have to remind ourselves of this truth. I'm alive in Christ. I'm adopted fully as a child of God. I am accepted by him. Number four, I am free in Jesus Christ. Because of the fact that I'm a new creation in Christ, my old self, my old nature, my old identity that was enslaved to the power of sin is totally dead. Amen? Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But guess what? It is Christ who lives in me. I think it was Dr. Norfolk that said this last week, actually. You know, a lot of times we say, oh, I gave my life to Christ. And he corrected us. How many of you say that? Oh, I gave my life such and such a day. It wasn't yours to give anyway, to begin with. Christ gave his life for us. It's the, it's the other way around. Amen? But Christ who lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen? Amen. And lastly, I am united with others in Jesus Christ. You see, before salvation, I was excluded from God's family. Even more so, Titus 3, this way. He says, for we ourselves were once foolish. We were disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy and hated by others and hating one another. But once God gave his life to me, I was I was brought into the blood-bought, glorious family of God. Suddenly, I was united with others through something that is outside of me, Jesus Christ. So, this is where we're going, where we're united with others in Jesus Christ. In other words, because of our new identity, we are connected as one. We are one family. Amen? And because we are children of God, not only are we kings and priests, but at the same time, we serve one another. How do we serve one another? By loving one another and sacrificing for each other. That's what happens in natural families, right? You've seen situations Parents go without just so their children can have this or that. It's a sacrificial giving. And that is where God is calling us to. No longer are we about self. The things that God is passionate about, the things that matter to God's heart, because he's our father and we are his children, those things need to become very important to us. 
They need to take the place of the I, the self. That is our new identity. We need to continually remind ourselves of that identity and continually pray based on that identity and based on that authority. Recognizing that no matter what the enemy may say, no matter what our present situations may look like, we are loved. We are accepted in the beloved. He loves us. He has given us every spiritual blessing. Amen? Amen. And time is fast gone, but I just wanted to see if anyone had any comments or questions before we pray. Talking about praying based on the revelation of our identity. Amen? Questions? Comments? Everybody understands what our identity is? Sister Lillian? Is that mic on? If we could really, truly believe that we have a new identity in Christ, then all of the things that affect us in this new identity would not affect us according to our previous life. So many times when um, there's therapy that you need to go through for certain things, that therapy seemingly wouldn't be necessary <laughs> if you could really truly believe that you have a new identity in Christ. Amen. Amen. We have, with us, we have that problem, I guess, of making that adjustment. Thank you. And so, and that's what therapy is. That's what therapy is. Therapy is helping us to renew our mind in Christ. Well, Christ-based therapy. There, I, I needed to qualify that. You know, because there are all forms of therapy. Uh, you know, Christ-based therapy or Christian-based therapy is us renewing our minds and being reinforced. Remember what I said earlier that Yes, God has given us this new identity. However, it's kind of like what we call an identity crisis. You know, um, and now I'm getting political. <laughs> For a lot of people in the dispensation that we're in, they say, oh, well, I identify as this particular sex. And the government at some point was saying, okay, well, if you identify as this, then that's who you are. I mean, you know. but what therapy does is it helps you to understand and go back and take care of that crisis and go back to who Christ says you are. Sometimes we need to hear it. We need that to be reinforced. You know, and, and what Pastor said on Sunday, and this is something that is so critical, it is not a one-time thing. It is a continuum or a continuous 
renewal, something that needs to be done on a regular basis. And so there is a place for therapy. We all need it from time to time. Christian or Christ-based therapy is realigning us with who God says we are. And when we get to where we know who we are, then we can function as we're designed to be. But from time to time, get out of alignment. Just like, you know, when you're driving a car, you know, your car gets out of alignment from time to time, and you have to get it aligned. Doc, am I... <laughs> Amen. Any questions? I, I know we've gone over our time a little bit, but well, amen. Okay. Well, praise God. Father, we just want to thank you this evening. Lord, we give you the glory. We give you the praise, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father Lord, for renewing our minds and for helping us, Father Lord, to recognize who you have called us to be. Father, we thank you because we know that we are loved. We know that we are accepted in the beloved. We know that we are free in you, Father Lord. Father, in those times that we may seemingly forget, Lord, help us to remember. We receive your grace, Father Lord, to be able to function even as you have desired for us to function. We receive your grace, Father Lord, to walk in our new identity, to pray based upon the revelation of our new identity. Father, that we have the boldness and the courage to declare the things that you say concerning us. Father, no longer are we timid. No longer are we intimidated by the enemy. But Father, we walk in newness of life, thanking you for who you are. Father, even in times and places where we experience things that may seem to be contrary to what your word says we are, to what you say we are, Father, help us to keep your word in front of us. That at all times, that we look unto you. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. Thank you, Father Lord, for strengthening us and encouraging us. That we are no longer focused on self, but Lord, that we are about the things that matter to your heart. We thank you, Father Lord, that as we go tonight, Father Lord, we go in your power. We go in your strength. We pray, Father Lord, for a pleasant night's rest for everyone, Father, that even through this season, through the busyness of this season, Father Lord, help us to keep you first in all that we do. Help us to recognize the gifts that you gave us, Father Lord, and the responsibility that comes with that gift, that, Lord, we will serve others around us with the blessings that you have given to us. We give you the glory and the praise, Father, as we pray with thanksgiving this evening in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. hallelujah.